Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when we let the world dance for everyone. I am really excited to share this guest story with you today because she has really fun energy and I loved talking with her. So my guest this week is Jenna Amin, who is an Egyptian American and girls education activist who is working to change the narrative around Muslim women in America and around the world. If you've listened to other episodes of this podcast, you'll know that I love to talk about education, so I really enjoy talking with Jenna about her work. Without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Jenna Amin. Um, So I'm an Egyptian-American advocate for gender parity, girls' education, changing the narrative around Muslim women and youth inclusion. A lot of my work centers around making sure that young women have a seat at the table and are actively contributing to the spaces where we need them most and that they deserve. I grew up in Egypt surrounded by a lot of women who, you know, I often describe as being super energetic, passionate, and empowered. And those are the women that very much inspired me to be the advocate and community mobilizer that I am today. Thank you so much for coming on the show with me, Jenna, and I'd really love to hear more about what inspired your activism. Can you tell me some about your background and how you got to this point where you really felt like you needed to advocate for others? Yeah, definitely. So I moved from Egypt to the U.S. the end of my fourth grade year, and that's really when I was almost forced to become an activist for my community. And at the time, I think, you know, a lot of the work I was doing was surrounding Muslim women and the representation of Muslim women in the media, um, but also in the minds of my friends and teachers who thought Muslim women were all victims of oppression, submissive servants, or even terrorists. And so my activism work really began just by telling my own story, the story of the Muslim women I knew. Um, And then I think from there, it really grew to the realization that, you know, telling my own story is not enough. We need to ensure that the stories of all Muslim women are being told. Um, Because at the end of the day, telling my stories, just perpetuating another singular narrative, right? And so that's really where my work began. And since, um, you know, there have been quite a number of challenges. I think any young person will tell you that you know, being a young person and advocating for change in the world, change that's in, that's uncomfortable, especially, um, is a challenge. But I also think I've been incredibly lucky to meet and get to know so many young people who make kind of the work I do so incredibly worth it. And they inspire me every single day to keep going and keep pushing even, even when it feels overwhelming. I'm really glad that you found that inspiration for yourself. And I know that for for me, through talking to so many amazing young people like you, it can be so inspiring to see their work and listen to their voices. So I can definitely agree. Um, can you tell me some about the projects that you've been working on and maybe specifically share some about your most recent hashtag 17 for 17 project? So amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, almost a year ago today, I learned that the Malala Fund estimates um, 20 million fewer girls would be returning to school in the fall of 2021. 
or in the fall of 2020, uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the economic consequences on vulnerable communities around the world. And so learning that statistics that 20 million fewer girls would be returning to school was, was horrifying to me, terrifying, because I know that, you know, just getting girls into school um, and getting them through school is such an important step for our society to take in ensuring that, you know, our economies thrive, that our societies thrive, and that we build the inclusive spaces that we all want to see. And so, so I was kind of, you know, left in early May thinking about how can I make change for girls education, raise awareness for girls education, and kind of at the same time, celebrate my 17th birthday. And that's how the event hashtag 17 for 17 advocating for girls education came about. And it ended up being a six hour virtual event that brought together 17 speakers for girls education from 17 countries around the world. And it was, you know, just an incredible experience getting to know and hear um, so many young women come together and talk about their own experiences from, you know, young women who'd been denied an education themselves to CEOs fighting for them. It was just awesome to see that spectrum and ensure that all stakeholders in girls' education were present at the table. And I think hashtag 17 for 17 was very girls' education focused, but I think my work is it's a lot more general than that and has since kind of surrounded itself on, you know, how can we ensure that more young women are actively contributing to the spaces where we need them most? And why aren't young women um, present in most decision-making tables around the world today? And I think especially when we look at peace processes and the importance of young women at the peacemaking table, we see that, you know, including young women and ensuring that young women are actively contributing their voices is often a question of life and death. And so it's incredibly important that we do all that we can do um, to ensure that, you know, those young women are there and have the vision and voice that they deserve. Definitely. And I also really agree with that point. I'd love for you to tell me some about your research that you've been doing recently and the exhibit that you put together, because it definitely sounds like something that people should know more about. At the end of my sophomore year during the summer, I was very, very invested in watching The Crown, as many people. <laughs> um, and, and while watching, I decided to Google kind of some of the outfits, some of the historical events. And as I was, you know, on something like the 12th or 13th Google page of images, I came across the photo of someone who wasn't, you know, a Mary or an Elizabeth or a Catherine. She was named Fauzea. And it struck me as being a really interesting name for a royal or a British royal because, you know, I immediately recognized the name as being Egyptian. And so that's really how I came across the life of Princess Fauzea, who is actually not British, uh, but Egyptian. And she was the sister of the last king of Egypt, King Farouk. And she also went on to marry and then divorce the Shah of Iran, Muhammad Pahlavi. And I didn't know it at the time, but delving into Princess Fauzea's life was, was so amazing because her life was one of duality. Um, in international media, she was portrayed as being a political flan, a victim of oppression, someone who had no voice. And yet in national media, um, you know, she was portrayed as being this national icon who was galvanizing people for the rights of children and women across the country, and who very much wanted to use her position in society to create change, um, even if that change was kind of hidden behind this glamorous front. And so looking at this, you know, woman of duality was definitely a pivotal moment in my change making journey, because before then, I knew that women, especially women in the Middle East, were 
empowered today, um, even though the international media said otherwise. But I, you know, had my doubts about Egyptian or Muslim women in the past. And researching Princess Fazaya showed me that no, you know, Muslim women have always been powerful throughout history. They just haven't gotten the attention they deserve for that. And I think Princess Fazaya's story is one that also reminds us of the importance of history. I was able to see myself in her life um, and then share her life and her story with, you know, lots of other Egyptians through an exhibit at the American University in Cairo. And, you know, so many Egyptians now see themselves in history in a way that they might not have otherwise. And I think that that ensures that we can all be empowered, right? So when our history books reflect who's reading them, um, I think that's a really important moment. And I think that very much helps us all, you know, play the role in society that, that we can and should be playing. I think that media point is really interesting. And it's really great that you feel like we're starting to see a shift toward more inclusive and more representative media. Um, so you talked earlier about hashtag 17 for 17, where you got to talk with some amazing people. And I'm sure that you've had many, many other amazing conversations. So I'd love to know, is there any advice or any words of wisdom that have really stuck with you over the years? Does anything like that really come to mind? One of my favorite Egyptian sayings is, which means the world is like a belly dancer. It dances a little for everyone. And I love, love, love that saying, because I think, first of all, it brings a smile to your face, but also I think it's true in many ways, right? We all have our ups and downs. And it also reminds me that the fight for justice is not over. I think the world has danced for men for too long, for, you know, white individuals for too long, for straight individuals for too long, right? And it's time that the world danced for people of color, for women, for LGBTQ individuals, for refugees, and for so many others. And so I think that quote is definitely one that sticks with me. So it reminds me to get back up and keep fighting on the bad days, but also why justice is so important and how and what an equitable and inclusive world looks like for all of us. I love that so, so much. And it's definitely one that I haven't heard before. So thank you so much for sharing that one. Um, I want to transition now and ask if you have any advice for young people who may be hoping to create change and make a difference. Do you have any words of wisdom that you'd want to share with these people who may just not really know where to get started? Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing is to think about what issue really resonates with you. There are so many issues in our world today, and I think it can be overwhelming to say, I'm going to address poverty or homelessness because those are huge issues. And then when you compound those issues and you want to say, you know, I want to address climate justice and homelessness and poverty, suddenly you're surrounded by all sides and you're honestly stranded because there's just too much to be done. Um, I think if each one of us asked what issue truly resonates with us, I think we would then find that there are so many baby steps that we can each take that will then help us create the change that we all want to see in the world. So definitely the first thing is ask yourself what change do you want to be seeing and how can you resonate you know, with that specific issue? I think from there, figuring out what talents or expertise um, can you lend to help create change in that issue. So if you're a painter, maybe you paint, you know, various drawings or portraits and help sell those for an auction to raise money for whatever issue you're working on. If you're a singer, you could do a similar thing and host an event. I love public speaking, which is why I chose to host hashtag 17417, an event that was focused on public speaking and that brought together public speakers. 
And so really asking yourself, you know, where is my expertise and how can I leverage my connections and my talents and what I'm good at to help this issue and to help create change, I think is a really important second step. And then I think from there, the last thing I would say is just really ensure that as a young person and as someone who is looking to create change in the world, that you are actively listening to the voices of the community that you are trying to serve. It's no good to say that you're an activist if you're not actively helping, listening, and centering the voices of those you, you say you're helping. I really loved talking with Jenna because she was so fun and so bubbly. I want to repeat her words of wisdom that she lives by because I absolutely loved it. The world is like a belly dancer. It dances a little for everyone. I think that is such a great outlook to have on activism, social justice, and honestly, just on life itself. I think the key to change, though, is doing our best to recognize that some groups of people have been danced for for a little too long, and I think we need to support those who haven't. We need to work on nudging the belly dancer in the direction of those who haven't been danced for enough, because change comes when we let the world dance for everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Jenna on Instagram at jennaamin03 to get connected with her and follow along with her work. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at be the change podcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye guys.